As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets Podcast. Aaron Ports, I'm with you on a, what the heck is this, Wednesday afternoon. It's uh, cold. The days are starting to blend in here together, I'll be honest with you. I'm not sure if it's the end of January or the start of February, but here we go. We've got a special guest with us again this week. A former Blue Jackets defenseman, Mark Mathot, who had retired from the NHL last March after a great career with Columbus, Ottawa, Dallas. Uh, he's now a burgeoning media star in Canada's capital. We'll get to that in a second. Some Blue Jackets news and notes, if we can. A rare uh, back-to-back in Nationwide Arena the next couple of nights. Beginning tonight, Calgary is in town. On Thursday, the New York Rangers will be in town. Um, so a couple, a tough back-to-back. Calgary's actually playing pretty well right now for a team that got off to a pretty rough start. Blue Jackets, not so much. 6-14-1 Jags since they started the season 12-6. and six. Uh, Not much going on around the team right now. Adam Boakvist is back in the lineup tonight. Gavin Bayreuther will sit. And the blue. I think the, the storyline, if there is one for the, this team right now, is they're just looking for some energy, some life. I think the reality of this season has hit hard. Uh, the season's not even halfway over yet. They're going to get there after these next two games. But there's a long, long haul to go here. And, uh, yeah, this, this is tough. Brad Larson is appealing uh, for the veteran players, especially to guide this ship with engagement, with energy, with passion, that these games do mean something, that they have to get something out of these games, even if you're not really paying attention to the standings right now. And you do not want to look at the standings right now if you're the Blue Jackets because you are out of it and there's a whole wave coming up behind you, which actually may be what this team needs as, as part of the rebuild. Um, but let's get to it with Mark Mathot. Always an interesting guy, a uh, hell of a player, Blue Jackets draft pick. Uh, of course, went to Ottawa, and we'll ask him about this, went to Ottawa in the trade for Nick Felino, who, of course, came to Columbus and played a huge role for this franchise um, but but uh, Mathot went on to a stellar career with the Senators, with the Stars, and uh, now, as I mentioned, he's becoming a uh, a media figure in the ca- the capital of Canada. So let's get uh, Mathot going. And uh, Mark, you there? 
I am here, Aaron. Oh. And I heard you. I heard you complaining about the weather in Columbus. That's right. And I mean, I do you have by. any idea? <laughs> do you guys have any idea how cold it is up here? <laughs> um, so I'm guessing it starts with a minus. Yes. Yes. Is we it? Are, I think you, minus you guys 20s? are. Yeah, we're well. If, if you were, I, I have a hard time. Yeah, we're metric system, of course. Sure. And uh, it's minus. Yeah, minus thirty with the wind chill. So. Oh. It's yeah. Terrible. Yeah, so the no. two I know this that the two cross at negative forty. I learned that in Edmonton a number Correct. of years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so you're 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 tracking, yeah. Don't go outside, Meth. Although the lakes are frozen for sure. You're good for a while up yeah. there. Uh can you believe it's been ten years? It will be in July since since the trade went down and and you were moved to to Ottawa for Felino. Yeah. Does it seem like it's been that long? And how much did that change you? Because that you went from a from a, a wonderful hockey market here to a Canadian hockey market where things tend to be a little bit different. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. Okay. It's, it's, it's amplified a little more, maybe more akin to like football perhaps, but um, I was so fortunate to start off in Columbus and I quite frankly would have been content staying. Um, yeah. I was, I was caught off guard, um, you know, and, and, and I know the trade worked out well for both sides and I know Nick Felino, I know him very well and I know he's a fantastic human being. So having said all that, um, I was caught off guard. I, you know, it happened in the summer. Um, I think you, I think Columbus had just drafted Murray. It was that year. And I remember watching it in Canada. It was Canada day. It was July 1st um, at free agency where someone mentioned some, one of, one of you, one of the Columbus Blue Jackets media members mentioned and it popped up on the ticker that I was now expendable. And so, uh, and I didn't take offense to it. I was just sort of surprised because I, I didn't really understand the, uh, um, you know, the details and the business side of it all. But um, yeah, I, you know, I just signed my four-year deal with the Blue Jackets and I played one year there. Essentially, my last shift is a Blue Jacket. I I break my jaw playing against oh, the right. Dallas Stars. Yeah, they score on that play. <laughs> my jaw's broken in two spots and then I recover, uh, but I don't end up playing another shift with the Jackets. I go to the World Championships that summer uh, for Canada and uh, I had a pretty good tournament. Um, developed a lot more confidence playing with new players. And then of mm. course I get traded. So it, it worked out well in the end. It thinks I'm not going to go into too, too much detail, but um, Ottawa was very good for me because I got to play alongside with Eric Carlson and right. we, we had instant chemistry, of course. And then that year um, I ended up getting invited to the Olympic, uh, the Olympic camp for Canada, um, which I knew, of course, I wasn't going to be on the team, but just getting invited oh, was, an, was honor. an honor, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was, that was big for me. So that brought me new newfound confidence, but um, you know, I, I I say this all the time when I talk about Columbus. I miss it to death. And we were talking about this, you and I, before we started here. I didn't realize how good of a setup we had in in Columbus mm-hmm. until I moved on. Um, but I miss it dearly. I miss the fans and a lot of the friends uh, and new friendships that I made over there. And uh, but that's the business, right? You have to move on. Yeah. What are your memories of Columbus? Because I, I was looking back, because things tend to to blur after a while. And, and sure enough, yeah. your first year was the year that the Blue Jackets made the playoffs for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. That was, and that was fun, man. I mean, we had hits. Wow. Yeah. And we played, I know, and I know it went quick. We played Detroit. And in fairness to us, Detroit was insanely good. I mean, they, they had such a, a great hockey team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they had everybody, right? You got Lidstrom yes. back there. Oh, and, it was awesome. And company. Yeah. And so, uh, but I remember it very, I surprisingly pretty vividly, you know, I, yeah. I remember the setup we had in Detroit at the hotels. I remember the fans in Columbus, you know, they were all up on their feet. Um, I know they still do that, but 
Um, yeah, that, that was a great experience, a nice introduction. But you mentioned a blurry situation. The play, the on-ice play itself, I was so, as a young player, caught up in the moment and, and hyper-focused and nervous that I, I look back to the actual play itself, and I, it's just a blur. I don't remember a whole lot of the on-ice stuff. But, um, you know, Hitch, he had his booklets prior to the, the series, you know, heavily detailed information on all the players we were playing against, which of oh, course sure. we didn't necessarily we didn't necessarily need because we were well aware <laughs> yeah, of the right, entire right. entire all-star roster. But yeah, it was it was really cool. It, too bad we couldn't go any further and never saw any playoff action after that, obviously until I was out of there. But yeah, um, yeah a lot of fun, a lot of good memories. And we had a, a really tight group of young players on that team. Beth, you know what I remember so much about that year was the game in Chicago where you clinched. Yes. And I've I've never seen this before. So Mr. McConnell had just passed away, the, the original owner, the founder yep. of the Blue Jackets, John H. McConnell. And there was this, there was an aura about that team that there was something, it felt bigger than just the hockey. And maybe I'm, maybe I was getting carried away then, but it did. And when you clinched in Chicago, Nash scores the tying goal. People forget, I believe it's Fedor Tutin who scored the shootout game winner, of course. That's right. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I remember the Blackhawks tapping their sticks on the wall when you clinched. Because once you got the point for in regulation, that was all you needed. I remember the Blackhawks celebrating for you, which was like, <laughs> wow. Like it felt bigger than just the moment. And I wonder, did, do you, does that game register with you as well? Yeah, it does. Um, you know, and, and I don't know, and looking back now, it almost feels like, maybe we were a bit of a charity case. I mean, when you look at your opponents cheering you on, I don't know what that says about us, but I think you're right though. There was a bigger picture and yeah. having the franchise, being able to experience all of a sudden that postseason and the fans more importantly, being able to witness that uh, was a big deal. And yeah, in that moment, um, that was special. It really was. I mean, we had a, we had a really, if you look back at the lineup, we had a ragtag group of players, oh, right? You had a, a really young core, and then maybe a couple of guys in the, you know, around their primes, then you got a bunch of older players as well. And, yep. um, but th things just clicked us uh, that year. And uh, we found a way to win some games. Hitch did a wonderful job at kind of keeping us or reining us in rather and making sure that we were always ready to play on any given right. night, as you all know how Hitch prepares so well. And oh. um, so he was, he was the perfect guy for that. You know, that season Hitch was the man and um, allowed us to do what we had to do. And he was hard on us, but at the same time, pretty fair. And, um, yeah, I, I remember all of that. I remember all the games and um, that was a significant year for me because that was, I believe, my first year full time in the mm -hmm. NHL. And, yeah. um, you know, you just you don't forget that. And, and having to be able to play against some of these guys, as I said earlier, I know I'm repeating myself, but playing against the Red Wings, that was so cool oh, at the Joe, yeah. Joe Louis Arena. And, um, you know, I, I'll never forget it. Yeah, it was it was quite the experience. Um, you, you retired, as, as I mentioned, last March. Did you, were you thinking in terms of post-career media? Had you been thinking that for a while? It, it seems like something that's just so natural. A lot of us talk sometimes and, and you say of this guy or that guy, oh, talk. that guy's a media natural when he's done. Um, hmm. You would have been, you would have been in that mold, I think. Did it, it was it always an aspiration? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. I, I'd always get comments throughout my career, you know, with interviews and stuff. So that that those intermission stuff. I was always very detailed and I was I was comfortable. I think that's the biggest thing. And it's not like I ever had any training. It was just something that I enjoyed doing. And um particularly once I got to Ottawa, I you know, a lot of the guys would tell me, you know, this is something you should think about when you're done. And I never really mm -hmm. gave it any second thought, right? Because when you're a player, 
it doesn't matter how much people warn you about retirement and what comes with it and how yeah. difficult it is. You never really prepare for it because in pro sports, there's no, you know, you can't, you, you can't afford to have any distractions. You yeah, can't be you're thinking about other stuff. ways you can. Yeah, Ex exactly. So, um, you know, that first year after I retired out of Dallas, that was hard. Um, I was bitter. I was pissed off, um, bored. Um, you know, we had a new family, new, we had, we had our second child and, um, it was hard cause I was just sitting around and I wasn't doing anything. And, 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 and the media angle was tough for me because I, you know, fresh out of the NHL, the idea of going onto that dark side, if you will, and start criticizing players right. and their player, maybe, right. maybe not criticizing, but, but critiquing, if you sure. will, like that. Sure. Yeah. Like that, that's, that was hard. But then the following year, I started to get a little more active on Twitter again. And I started maybe dabbling a little with the, the our local sports radio stations and things just kind of grew from there. So now I've, I've got a podcast going with Brett Wallace, who was let go yep. from TSN as well. And, um, you know, it's called the Wally and Mathot show. And I, I now I'm doing more work with TSN and I'm going to start doing a little more color commentary for uh, some CHL hockey games as well. So oh, that's great. I've got. Yeah. So anyway, long story short, I'm enjoying it. I like it. It gets me out of the house and it gets me out of bed in the morning. And um, I plan on doing it for a while. Now, what are the thoughts with the podcast? Because th this is a realm that's really taken off. Some guys, I'm not even sure what you would call Pat McAfee's thing with the NFL. It's kind yeah. of that, but it's also video. It's become huge down here. And I, I feel like that is an avenue that a lot of people are going to try to explode. Is that what you and Wally are, are thinking? Or are you thinking strictly podcast? Yeah, it's, it's funny. Like when you think podcast, it's almost like the market's almost saturated now at this point with them, right? Yeah. Like there's everybody wants to start a podcast because you can like, I'm doing it in my basement, right? I've got a theater room in my house and my wife hates it because I've basically taken over the room. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where, you know, with, with Wally and I, uh, the way things are going now, everything's so digitalized and everything's yeah. just online um, that, and, and, and we're seeing it across our country. I don't know what, what it's like in the States, but a lot of sports radio stations up here, up North, have been going under. And um, mm -hmm. so this is sort of the avenue that a lot of people are taking. We, we just, we don't see this. We don't have a plan, a long-term plan with it. It's happening organically. If we decide we want it to grow into something a little bit bigger, like you mentioned, yeah. Pat McAfee, I don't know that that's really in our sights because Ottawa is such a small market in the grand sure. scheme of things. Right. So we're very much catered to the Ottawa senators, yeah. but um, you know, it's uh, like I said, we don't take ourselves too seriously. We try to get good guests, which I believe we do a good job at, yep. uh, at catching them. But otherwise, it's just it is what it is. It's a, it's a little podcast that you know, and, and we're going to see where it goes. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Now you got you talk to players from all over the league, uh, often with, with Ottawa ties 
yeah. somehow. Have you ever had a conversation on this? is sort of out of left field, but Sidney sure. Crosby almost took your pinky off one time with a slash. <laughs> Have you guys talked about that since? I still we, don't think there's been a penalty called on that, by the way. No, no. And well, we I think Wally's been trying to get him, but you know, Sid, you know, the guy's a you know a superstar and it's hard he's to get a guy. Busy. Yeah. Yeah, he's a little busy. And 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 furthermore, I mean, I don't see any reason why he'd want to get on my podcast. I mean, he he reached out to me a week after he sliced okay. my finger off. Which, by the way, I fully acknowledged it obviously wasn't done intentionally. Maybe the slash was. I don't think he intend. You know, the intent was to take sure. off my pinky. But anyway, you know, we uh, he reached out to me. I think it was about a week after he sent me a Sid sent me a text because I had already kind of touched base with him during the Olympic camp. I sat with him a few times and we exchanged information, and he had my number. So he reaches out to me, and I was still so bitter, Aaron, because um, the pain in your in your fingers, like the nerve endings. It's, it's insane. I mean, I've broken my jaw. I've had knee back issues, whatever. The finger was one of the worst I've ever suffered. And I didn't even know it was going to like, they reattached it. And I didn't think it was even going to take, it still doesn't feel right, but it's there and it looks at least somewhat normal. Um, but so Sid reaches out to me a week afterwards and I never replied to him. You know, I just, I was bitter and uh, resentful and I was, I wasn't, it wasn't really in a good place. And we had the playoffs looming around the corner for us in Ottawa. And that was obviously leading into the 2017 run that we had, but um, yeah, I never replied. So, I mean, it's, it is water under the bridge, but we haven't had any communication or contact since. So it's still out there. Yeah. Still out there. <laughs> I saw, I, I always thought the description of the pinky being almost completely severed was a little extreme, but you're from what I'm hearing. No. No, it was, yeah, I've got a couple pretty good pictures on my phone now. Oh, uh, yeah, these are new, new, there are new angles and uh, yeah, it was, it was hanging off. Like just, so just, just below the nail, like, so just below oh. the nail bed is, is, is where it was. Like, okay, sure. Maybe that's yeah. what half an inch, but that's still half an inch of, you know, one of your, one of your digits and it's right. You feel it anyway. I'm not I, looking for sympathy by any no, means, by the way. God, well, you're getting it from me. I don't care whether you want it or not. <laughs> um, I remember Trevor Latowski early in the blue jackets getting a pinky, um, almost cut off barely hanging on by the skin and literally i won't use the name of the person who was in charge of the team at the time offered him they said you can do this one of two ways bud you can have it reattached and you can let it heal and it'll take this long or you can just take the tip of it off and you'll be back it was like are you kidding like and i'm uh, like that's an option and that's that's see that's ridiculous (laughs) and the player was like no i think i want my finger thank you Like, God, well, I, I, I plan to have a career. I'm wondering if that's the same doctor that I had in Columbus uh, during training camp. I've got a huge scar between my eyes, and it's still very visible. And I'm wondering, and we all called him Doc Hollywood. I'm, I'm trying to remember, Aaron, you might remember his name, and uh, maybe I'm outing a doctor, but quite frankly, I don't give a shit. I don't live in Ohio. Um, and uh, anyway, I, I remember still going in, getting it fixed. He stitches me up really quickly. I come back to the rink and all the guys, like, I think it was Nasher. One of the guys was like dying, laughing, looking at me. like oh, saying, no. That's you know, not good. Like, the, like doctor had hands like feet when he was sewing oh, up my face. Anyway, God. so so I'm wondering if there's a connection there with the Latowski story, but we'll leave that open to interpretation. Right. And, and, and maybe there are damages here for you if it affects your potential TV career. Oh, okay. So maybe there's a bit of a, an insurance thing Working. going on here. Okay. Working? Yeah. yeah. Oh, workers comp. Is that what that is? I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I mean, we're crossing borders here, so it could get a little Fair dicey. Enough. Fair um, enough. 
So you're with uh, you. You pay attention to the Ottawa Senators a ton. Of course, the Blue Jackets and Senators just played, and yeah. I, I watched the Senators play, and it was like, boy, this team's got a lot of jump. I'm not. It's obviously not a finished product, and they're not what they what they want to be. But there are some pieces right. there, and yeah. the one guy you just can't you can't take your eyes off. At least I can. Is Kachuk? It's just the energy level is just so so. Uh, you can't miss it. It's just so obvious. Yeah. Um, what is it like to watch that kid on a daily basis? How tough are guys like that to find in today's oh, game? And how vital is he to to what Ottawa's doing there, this rebuild? Yeah, that's – well, He he's almost sort of the guy that creates an identity in the locker room. You know, a lot of teams that struggle oftentimes lack team identity. I know that's kind of a buzzword, but um, it, it's very much a, a true thing in this – in this case with Brady Kachuk, he's, he's a unicorn, right? Like he, he's the kind of guy that can, he can finish. He can beat you up. Um, he'll stand in that front, particularly in this day and age now where defensemen aren't necessarily allowed to do a whole lot as far as box outs or cross checking, right? Like those net front battles, a player like Brady Kachuk and almost akin to Tom Wilson, but maybe a little more skilled. Um, you know, it's just, he can have his way with teams. And so you know, when you're trying to draft players for me now, like if I'm seeing a power forward that has some ability to finish and defend himself, I mean, that's, that's a stud. That's someone I'm going after immediately. Uh, and, and with Brady Kuchuk, like I said, he, he, he leads the charge here. This that's the guy he's the team captain, uh, just signed that new deal that he had a big deal. Uh, and he, and he's on that top line in Ottawa, but yeah, I mean, I, I could keep going on and on here, but ultimately very physical player that has a fantastic attitude. And obviously you can attribute that to his father, Keith, oh, yeah. with a nice long career, right? So, so there's a lot of pedigree there in the family that he kind of has behind his back and, and that he's running on. And, um, and it shows because he's so confident for a young player. You wouldn't know it. I mean, he plays like he's 30 years old in his prime. So um, yeah, that's a guy that I think every team's looking for. And they're just quite frankly, aren't a lot of them around the NHL. Yeah. I was surprised. Uh, he was going in for an empty net at the end and, of the game the other night, and Wierenski was pretty obviously intent on him not getting it. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if you saw that at the end. I did. I was amazed that he didn't get up and go after him. It looked like he thought about it for a second, yeah, <laughs> uh, and then he skated <laughs> off. It was like I did not expect. I did not expect such a, a calm head to prevail. Did that surprise? Yeah, you? well, yeah, he picks. Well, he picks his spots, right? He's not going to yeah. go after guys just for you know for no reason. I mean, he, he can respect the fact that you're going to play him hard. Um, you know, there's a big, there was a huge incident uh, in the Ottawa game uh, last night against Buffalo, where uh, Aaron Dell, the goaltender for yep, Buffalo, saw that. Uh, yeah, and, and I'm only pre- you know prefacing it for people that don't have no idea what I'm talking about. Sure. The goaltender steps out and obviously catches um, Drake Batherson. It was a very dangerous play, and it was, and there was intent there. So, um, you know, that was a scenario where I thought maybe someone like Brady Kachuk would go after him, but all Brady did was go up exchange words, get in his face, try to distract him a little bit. And I think it worked because Ottawa ended up winning for nothing. And, uh, but, but there's the, my, the, my point is the restraint and that's what you want out of your captain mm-hmm. or anybody in particular, when you have a, a big power forward on your team that happens to be tough, you don't want him going after anybody on the ice. You want there to be a little bit of a level of control and he's the leader. So, you know, that's, that's something that I admire in his play. Yeah. Now, Matthew you would have, your career would have sort of spanned maybe the end of one style of play of hockey and and yeah. and firmly into another but yeah. and I, I may I I keep prefacing this by saying maybe I'm just getting older and grumpier I don't think that's the case <laughs> I'm a pretty optimistic guy 
I just see so many games now across the league, and it's not just Columbus. For people who are listening to this, I, I bitch about the Blue Jackets playing games like this, but it isn't just them that are just completely void of energy and passion. Mm. I'm not saying guys aren't playing hard because this is just a hard game to play, period. They're going. But I think of these games that just feel very sleepwalking. And I don't think Columbus played a particularly memorable game against Ottawa. I thought Ottawa played pretty well. I thought Columbus played okay, but there wasn't a lot of fire in that game. And I just think about it. I've talked about about this with Jody Shelley in a previous podcast not long ago, that in, in... in the old days, or not a decade ago, maybe eight years ago, games that were kind of sleepy would be awakened by a big hit, a fight, a yada, yeah. yada. And I, I, I wonder if the league, I, I think everyone's going through this, I wonder if the league is just is learning how to play 82 games and find some sort of energy, some sort of burst of battery to get through these games in a league that is almost post-fighting. In other words, you can't rely on that anymore. And I'm not certainly asking for guys to 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 square off in scripted fights again like they used to all the time. But yeah. so much of the physical part part's been lost. And I think there are some games that become kind of dry and and really not that passionate without that edge to it. What do you see? Uh, that's a tough one because, okay, I mean, I guess – you'd have to break it down to different little variables here. But I, I think the one thing I, I can say, the game is infinitely way more faster, uh, way more yeah. fast. It's much faster. I should say more skilled. Um, so the pace is, is far greater than like, so I'm thinking back to when I played with Jody, for example, um, you know, the game wasn't nearly as quick as it is now. Guys are so skilled. Um, yeah. I think, I think the one, the one thing that might be affecting the lack of, intensity or I'm trying to think of that intangible that you're describing might be due to the fact that, well, I, and I can speak to it here because I'm in Canada. I mean, we don't have fans in the building and it's been a couple of years now, this like it's, and it's, and it's nonsense, you know, like we're, yeah. we're at a point now where, and I'm not going to get political, of course, but we're all vaccinated. I'm vaccinated and we still have empty buildings here. Um, and I, that sucks the life out of the, out, out of the building, right? Like, sure. so when you're playing in front of an empty, an empty building, it's hard to get behind well, yeah. that that intense sort of feel and and you're yeah. not you're not drawing energy from the crowd anymore it's just a different animal and i i know i'm stating the obvious um sure there's a lot less fighting i think uh, i don't know what the numbers are uh there's certainly a lot less scripted fights you know like the the stage fighting off of draws yep. which i found could be self-serving to a degree you know like when yeah. i played and 100%. i have nothing but i and, and i think most i know a lot of fighters probably don't want to hear that that are retired now but um you know i think when I saw two guys fight, um, when I used to play back in the day, and it was just two big tough guys, it didn't really do a whole lot for me. I'll be honest. You know, when you're on the bench, it's exciting to watch the fight, sure. But like, you know, I, I think for me as a player, you know, when you would see a player defend another player, so maybe there was a cheap shot, and then you'd have another guy come in and challenge him, and if they're both willing to go, that would fire you up, right? Like that's something that's got intent behind it. Um, it's not two guys just having a casual conversation at a draw saying, right. Hey, you want to go? Sure. Let's go. Like there's no emotion there. Right. So that's right. That's that. So that's something that I think I can get behind. And I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big supporter of me of keeping fighting in the game. I'm very adamant about that. I'm, I'm always vocal on it. Um, a lot of people, it, and, and it's funny, eh? like, like when I'm looking at it now, when you read comments, there are a lot of people that are starting to get sick of it or that are against it that might just be a very vocal minority of people. So I, I don't know if it carries any weight, but 
Um, I do think the game's changing. It's getting faster. It's a lot more skilled. Uh, I think we're going to see a shift once the fans are all back. Right now, with all the restrictions and the unknowns and the protocols, it makes it tough to really create that fun atmosphere. And like I said, uh, when you're playing in front of an empty, you know, in front of no fans, it, it's hard to kind of get fired up for those games. So I'll leave it at yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're a guy who's been in the room for some great seasons in Ottawa, uh, in Dallas as well. Do you, what, what is it like to be in the room when the season's gone south? And it's it's a rough one. I, 9, mm. 10, 10, 11 would have been pretty tough here in Columbus. Yep. Um, it's probably not that different from what the guys are going through right now. When you look up and you've got more than half a season to go and it's tough like it is right now. What's going on in there? What's going on through the heads and the minds of the players? Well, uh, you're 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 walking through the room. You're on eggshells as a player. You're avoiding the coaches. You're avoiding the general manager. You don't want to be pulled in for a meeting. You know, it's 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 an interesting dynamic. Uh, you're just every, everything's just it's just not pleasant. You know, and there's a lot of you know a lot of weird vibes going through the room. It's really hard to explain. You know, I, I, I'm trying to find the right way to kind of explain this, but it's just, it's not a great feeling. So you're, you're trying to find those small little victories on any, on every other night, you're focusing on one game at a time. At least that's what the discussion is in the dressing room. Uh, and you're just trying to do the right thing, but sometimes quite frankly, the personnel's just not there. And obviously as we all know, and we've seen over the years, you know, when things are going well, the first person to go typically speaking is the coach, because that's the easy adjustment. And right. it's not always necessarily the right one. You know, oftentimes when things are going south in a group, it's just either your group's very young, you're either in a rebuild, or maybe you've just got the wrong mixture of players. And, and that does fall on the general manager, right? It's his job to sure. acquire yeah. the right guys, make sure you got the right mix. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's unpleasant. I, I, for me, like I can still remember being in Columbus and you know, you're, you're walking down from the locker room area where you're getting your equipment on to the gym and you're having to cross the lounge and the bathroom and the, the training area. And then behind right. you is where all the coaches are. I don't know what the setup's like in Columbus right now, but that's how it was when I was there. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm, you're almost kind of dangling your way through the room just to avoid them so that you're not having to have an uncomfortable conversation. So it, it, it's not fun, but that's, everyone goes through it. You just hope that you're progressing in the right direction at some point. Uh, and um, all you could really do is worry about your own game and hopefully the rest takes care of itself. Yeah. Uh, you would have just seen the Blue Jackets a, a few days ago against Ottawa. Maybe you've seen them earlier this season. What players are you looking at on that team? If you're a Blue Jackets fan, or if you're trying to give hope to Blue Jackets fans for the future, who would have, who would have caught your eye? Oh man, that's a tough one. Cause you guys like the, 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 the lineup in Columbus is so different now. And obviously with like with line a there and you've got yeah. line a Jenner and Nyquist on your top line line, a line is that unpredictable guy, right? Like it almost yep. seems like he plays, he's got like one speed, but he's very effective when he's on his game. Um, and, and then obviously, you know, Jenner being the more physical two-way guy, uh, and that it's hard to really pick one player in particular. I think for me, my favorite player on the team is probably Wierenski. I've yeah. always been a huge fan of his play. He's fun to watch. He's very effective on breakouts. He's got good poise, good patience. Um, he can play with a little bit of bite occasionally. He's got a mm -hmm. really that, that slick wrister that he has from the point that just yeah. seems to come off his stick really well. I'd have to go with him. Otherwise, you know, I played with Jake. I know Voracek really yeah, well. Yeah. He's an All absolute... Right. He's an absolute riot to be around. So 
And that's that was a move I was a huge fan of. When when Columbus brought him back in, and and I, I'm obviously a big fan of Atkinson's as well, but when when Columbus reacquired, I should say, um Voracek, I thought that's the right call because you got a you've got a character that's coming back in. He's much different now than he was then. He's a veteran. Yeah. He's he's gonna be a good guy to have in the room. So, you know, aside from Jake, I'd have to go with Wierenski. He's a guy that I just love to watch play. Obviously, he's an all-star. He's a great player. Um, but other than that, it's tough. I mean, they're they're going through like are, are they going through a rebuild right now? Like I, I don't yeah. even really know where they're at. They are. They are. I yeah. mean, they don't want to call it that. Is it a restart? Right. Is it a rebuild? Is it a reload? I mean, whatever. It's a rebuild. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and the question is, you know, no one knows how long the the process is, right? It's the draft. It's right. free. It's the trade deadline. I mean, what what can you get done? What works out? So, but they're well, definitely the, undertaking it. Yeah. Well, and I, I got a chance to watch. Um, I called the, uh, I did color on the uh, Kingston Frontenacs game a couple of weeks ago here up here in the in the junior leagues for those who have no idea what I'm talking about right now. And Shane Wright, the potential number oh, one yeah. overall pick was playing. Mm-hmm. He's good. He's a good player. Yes. So, I mean, right. I don't, I'm not saying that you got to get onto the tank, but um, you know, th- there, there are some picks right now in that draft that might help your group out a little bit. So we'll see how that plays out. But I mean, you know, if you're a fan, you got to appreciate what you have in front of you and you hope that, you know, the GM's going to take you in the right direction. But right now, uh, you're, I, when I look at Columbus's lineup, they just look like they're sort of in that little, I don't want to say hockey purgatory, but they're like in that limbo, right. Where they're yeah. kind of in that rebuild. I'm very unfamiliar with a lot of the players. I mean, I know who some of them are. But um, not a lot of name recognition on that team or star power. So yeah. there's room to grow, right? And, and at some point, something's got to give. But um, yeah, that forward group, the forward group to me seems a little light. I, I, I'm not yeah. a, I'm not a big fan of that. But otherwise, yeah. like the decor is okay. Uh, there's a lot of room, a lot of room to work with here. I guess is the way yeah. I'll put it. It's a nice, subtle way. They they look to me like an animal that's sort of like in between some sort of evolutionary change, and you can't quite see where it's going. Seriously, yet. though, yes, like yeah, and, and, and you're like, and why does it have a flipper? And exactly. what's it going to do with that, right? And then because you can't see what it's going to be, I agree. there's still so much to be determined. And yeah, that's the, that's the identity thing that I was talking about yeah, earlier. So sure. when I look at Columbus, I don't know what they are yet. Right. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. and, and, I, and I'm not going to act like I'm watching Columbus every night. I do pay attention because I obviously played there, but I, I just don't know what the identity is yet. And that's something that yeah. they're going to have to figure out. You know, it's crazy to me, Meth. And it, you look around this league, my God, there's like eight to 10 teams that seem to be rebuilding. Like, that, yeah, I know. that is amazing. The Senators are in one, Buffalo is in one, Chicago yep. kind of thought it was in one. And then last summer, they were like, screw it. We're going for Seth Jones. <laughs> Take our first round draft picks. Um, yeah, and how did that which, play out? So it's like, is, you know. Yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> like, that's the one thing. You keep hearing these Jacob Chitron rumors with Columbus, and it's like, yeah. And, and I've been told they're not giving up a first round draft pick. So I don't know how that, and they can't give up a first round draft pick. This no, is the process and, you're in. But the problem is, like, so, so, and I know Chitron pretty well because he's actually from the Ottawa area. I mean, he's, he's yeah. grown up in Florida as well. So he's kind of been all over, but he's a good player. I mean, he's a guy that, has like so when you're when you're going to acquire players, oftentimes if you look at free agency, you're always going to be overpaying for some guy who's got about two to three good years left, and then all of a sudden they kind of fall off, right? And then you're looking at, and I'm not I, obviously I'm generalizing here. It's it's a gross sure. generalization, but still, a guy like Chikrin, you're yeah, you're going to have to give up a little bit for, of course, but I mean you're going to get a, you're going to, the return. You're getting a younger player 
with a lot of juice left in his legs, right? He's still relatively young and he's, he can play. So I'm not saying that Columbus has to throw the kitchen sink and that's the right move, but that's the kind of player that you got to go after, quite frankly. Yeah. It's a hockey trade and it'll make your team better. Yeah, no, I, I I will totally agree with you, except now is not the time where they need Chikrin. Oh, no, I agree with you there. Yeah, totally. And, no, that's, and yeah. To, to even give up a first round draft pick, they have two next year. Yes. And the one the, the year after could be, you know who it could be if things go right. They they have yep. never gone right for Columbus, but it could be Connor Bedard. There's no <laughs> way you risk giving up a pick that could turn into either Shane Wright or Connor Bedard. Not a chance. I agree. And any, yeah. that that's this chandelier you add to your mansion in five years, not right now. That's how yeah, I totally. And that's and that's and and that it really. And I love that you brought that up because. People are always going to be looking for a quick fix, right? When you're sort of in the basement, you're thinking, okay, what can we do right now to be better? Yeah. Should we just make a trade? Everyone gets all fired up about that where it's like sometimes, okay, wait a little bit. Okay, this season's yes. probably a wash, right? All you right. want to make sure you're getting is good progression out of your core young players. Make sure that they're learning. They're going to get better. Hopefully, it'll be much better next year. They'll take a step forward and look forward to the draft. And that's it. So, yeah, I mean, you got you to gotta bite the bullet. And it's it's unpleasant for some people that are just itching for a good competitive team. It'll come back. You guys had a nice run there for a few years. That's right. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. That's okay. A lot, almost, almost every team goes through that. You got to rebuild, recalibrate a little bit, look forward to the draft. You guys will be all right. Yeah. Follow the process. Um, yeah. We'll leave you with this, Meth. You're a big heavy metal fan. <laughs> I am, yeah. And as I, am and I, I. Miss, I miss you are Porter. You listen to metal as well? Yeah, I mean, I don't listen to as much metal as I used to. I used to listen to it exclusively. Fair I'm, enough. A, I'm a bit older now, but I still have my old my old music. I mean, I go back to Metallica and Same. Anthrax yeah, are, and yeah, yeah. I mean, that was the stuff I I was listening to in Mount Vernon, Ohio, before I moved to Columbus. Um, <laughs> But I, I want to go at this from a funny way. What's the sap? What's the sappiest song you'll admit to liking? Oh, because I love I love Nick Foligno's, um love affair with Celine Dion. It's just so spectacular. So yeah, we we actually talked about that with Nikki on our he podcast loved, too. On a yeah, that was hilarious. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like you know, you mentioned Metallica. Like I'm I'm so I listen to a wide variety of metal music. But like yeah. the Godfathers of Metal are always the go-tos that I always fall back towards, right? Other albums come and go. Metallica is always there for me, particularly the old stuff, Slayer. Um, but Sappy, like that's, how do I answer that? I mean, like. I'm I mean, for, so like, there's a song on the radio that you're like, man, no one can know I dig this song. Like this I, is embarrassing. I, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. trying to think. I cranked uh, up out of respect for the man who just passed away meatloaf who i was a big fan of when i was seven by the way but you can't be ashamed. you're not but that's there's nothing no, to I'm be not. ashamed of i'm not you know what i mean like meatloaf of, was awesome yes but two out of three ain't bad was uh was unbelievable Fair. to me when i was an eight-year-old song i had that cranking on the way into nationwide arena the other night full <laughs> but i love i like some really sappy shit too like when okay. it comes on I'm totally fine okay well i'll say okay i'll say this this might not pass the test here but Cause I'd have yeah. to go through like my, my, my music, but like, I, I like some of the slower Nickelback songs. Like if a slow Nickelback song comes Nickelback. on, like never going to yeah. be alone or some, like yeah. some of their, like maybe not photograph that song makes me kind of my blood curl a little, but right. some of the old slow metal, um, uh, Nickelback stuff that yeah I wouldn't openly admit to that. I'm obviously doing now. That's, that's, yeah. that's the stuff that I can get behind when I'm on my own in the car. Yeah. Oh, you just added yourself big time. <laughs> 
<laughs> Fair enough. That's awesome. Hey, Matt, yeah. thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate your time as always. It's good to get caught up. Absolutely. Good hearing from you and um, all the best. Yeah, thanks, man. And thanks to you listeners out there. Appreciate it. There will not be a Front and Nationwide next week. Uh, yours truly is going to be in the warmer climes for a couple of days, but we'll be back the week after that. Thanks to our producer, Danielle. Thanks to David Cook for the awesome theme music. Thanks to Mark Mathot for joining us, of course. And we will talk to you all very soon. Take care. Thank you.